I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. 2022 has been a big year for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from the rededication of the historic Washington, D.C. temple to humanitarian projects, global ministry tours, and so much more. The church has uh, truly put its shoulder to the wheel and served and grown its reach in significant ways all around the world. So we want to look at some of the highlights, some of the moments of 2022. And to help us do that, of course, we always go to the best inside sources. Uh, We go to Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Sarah, thanks for jumping in today. Well, thank you for having me, Boyd. All right. So let's start very early in the year uh, with a project that I know was years in the making and very significant. Uh, with the release of a new pamphlet that encouraged better understanding between Muslims and Latter-day Saints. Uh, we had the opportunity to sit down with Elder Garrett W. Gong and with Elder David A. Bednar, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, to talk about this. First, let's listen to our conversation uh, with Elder Gong on the new pamphlet uh, and the way to begin building bridges uh, between Muslims and Latter-day Saints. As you can see, We are sincerely seeking to understand one another in open, honest, and authentic ways. This includes recognizing similarities and differences. It also means trying to see beyond falsehood, stereotypes, or generalities. Uh, That is such a classic Elder Garrett W. Gong, uh, always talking about uh, how much more we can do with an open hand instead of a clenched fist and building those those bridges. Uh, Sarah, before I have you weigh in, let me go to uh, Elder David A. Bednar. We sat down with Elder Bednar, uh, and I asked him what surprised him uh, during the process of creating this pamphlet and this project uh, to increase understanding. I think it's the, the things that I didn't think were a big deal. I learned were a big deal to lots of other people. And that's, I find that to be very illuminating. And it helps me, I hope, to not just assume that I know or that I understand. There's always something else. There's another level I can get to in better understanding where this person is coming from. Sarah, those are uh, really important principles for all of us. You've been in a very unique uh, position to be able to observe leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, interact with government leaders, uh, with leaders of other faith group, other organizations, volunteer organizations. And uh, this one I thought was so interesting in terms of building the bridge between the Muslim community and the Latter-day Saint community. Uh, What are some of the other things that you learned or noticed, observed during that process? Well, you know, I think this is such a beautiful thing. For us to say in a 35-page pamphlet that that was actually translated into many languages so it could be accessible for people of both faiths, that we have so much more in common than yeah. we might think or we might realize. Yeah, so important. And I, I love the fact that when they rolled this out, that they, they also focused on not just common things in terms of faith or, or principles that were shared, uh, but they also got into things that bind those communities together like art and music uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, how else have you seen that uh, that play out? Well, you know, one of the things that we share with this community is a desire to pray every day. Um, you know, we, we both believe in purity and chastity, and and we, we both honor prophets. Mm. And so 
um, this idea that we can be connected through our our shared beliefs, yeah. uh, I think, is a really powerful one. Yeah, recognizing the differences, valuing the differences, mm-hmm. uh, and then celebrating those areas of common ground. I think that was significant, not only in this particular effort, but in many other efforts uh, over the course of the year, many that you covered in the church news. Well, and you know, uh, Elder Quentin L. Cook of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said on more than one occasion that we should... Um, link arms with people who also feel accountable to God. Mm, I love that. Great statement. One of the other themes that seemed to resonate and and be repeated often during the course of 2022 was religious liberty and the importance of it. Elder Ronald A. Rasband of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles spoke specifically to this in the April General Conference. I invite you to champion the cause of religious freedom. It is an expression of the God-given principle of agency. Religious freedom brings balance to competing philosophies. The good of religion, its reach, and the daily acts of love which religion inspires only multiply when we protect the freedom to express and act on core beliefs. President Dallin H. Oaks delivered a a landmark address on religious liberty from Rome, Italy, uh, defending religious liberty. From Rome, this cradle of the Christian faith, I call for a global effort to defend and advance the religious freedom of all of the children of God in every nation of the world. Uh, Sarah, you've covered so many addresses over the course of this year, including uh, President Johnson of the General Relief Society of the Church spoke in Iowa earlier in the year about religious liberty. What are some of the things that you have noticed uh, in so many of these addresses about religious freedom? Well, this is an issue that so many of us care so much about, and leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints care enormously about it. Uh, I think we saw that play out in the pandemic when we realized that religion and the exercise of religion and being able to take religion into the public square is essential for us. Mm. And and I loved that in Rome, um, President Oaks gave this historic address, and, and we just heard him call for this global effort to defend and advance religious freedom. But he also asked religious leaders to unite in that cause. Yeah. Yeah, that that's so vital, and 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 doing it in a way. Uh, some of the framing that I think that uh, President Oaks has used over the last couple of years, uh, in terms of coming together uh, to be a moderating influence in areas of disagreement, and that we don't have to have big, loud yelling matches uh, over all of these kinds of things, uh, and really being that uniting force. And uh, and you've seen that uh, in addresses about religious liberty, not just here in the U.S., not just in Rome, but around the world. The leaders have been weighing in on this in a significant way. And President Oaks shared a theme that we've seen across so many of those addresses. He said, this isn't a call for doctrinal compromise. We're not asking anyone to compromise their doctrines. He said, it's a call for unity. Mm. Love that. Absolutely love that. One of the other big events from 2022, of course, was the rededication of the Washington, D.C. Temple. This was really a uh, a temple in a city of monuments, uh, and this was monumental. The open house was enormous uh, and long. Uh, I had the chance while we were there in Washington, D.C. to sit down with Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles about uh, the temple being opened up in as this landmark in a city of landmarks. I believe there'll be um, maybe a greater affinity for the temple, appreciation for it, and some of the mystery gone. Maybe it makes it a little, a little more um, approachable yeah. <laughs> in their minds and, and feel like they understand and 
sense the, the sacredness that we feel for him and can feel something of the same sort of thing. So I think it's going to be not just a familiar monument or a familiar site, but maybe something that um, they take a little more ownership of and feel a deeper appreciation for. Sarah, you were back there both for the open house where so many dignitaries uh, came through from ambassadors to government leaders to business leaders, community leaders. Uh, you got to see all of that and then all the way up through the dedication of the temple. What, give us your perspective. Well, I loved hearing that clip, Boyd, because there was so much energy and excitement mm. around that event. It felt like everyone wanted to share what makes Latter-day Saint beliefs unique mm. and and so many people responded. You know, there was a day where, where we had numerous Supreme Court justices come and, and visit the temple. Um, and then that was ultimately uh, capped off later in the year when, when President Russell M. Nelson rededicated the temple and the entire First Presidency attended that event. Mm. You had the opportunity to sit down with President Nelson uh, just before that dedication, uh, and you got to ask him. This was uh, a big event in terms of people coming out post-COVID. Uh, I think it was one of the great questions and maybe one of the best answers of all time. Yes. <laughs> I, I did ask President Nelson. I said, this is your first time that you've been outside of Utah since the pandemic. I said, how does it feel to be out among the members again? And um, I, I have to, I have to tell you, Boyd, I'm not sure he liked the question. <laughs> so he, he sort of leaned forward, and and then he said, uh, "I never left them." Mm. And and what he was saying is that although there are times um, when when he was restricted in traveling because of travel restrictions or health issues um, caused by the pandemic, he he emphasized that any restrictions that he did was was for the members. He mm. said, we didn't hold big gatherings because we didn't want anyone to get sick. Yeah. And now we can hold this big celebration in the Washington, D.C. temple. The entire First Presidency is here. And and we all want to celebrate together. But we also don't want to send the message that this is a big coming out for us because we've been sending messages through technology for the entire pandemic. Yeah, I think that was one of the uh, the great things during the entire pandemic was their use of uh, technology to stay connected. And I think it was true. President Nelson never left the people. He was always with them throughout. Well, we're going to do one of those things we love to do on the show. We're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back more as we look at a year in review 2022 for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with Church News Editor Sarah Jane Weaver. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson.
We're staying with the question as we review 2022. Today we're looking at it from the perspective of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Many historic things taking place during the course of the year. We've got Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of the Church News, in studio with us today. And Sarah, as we were rounding out that last segment, we were talking about the Washington, D.C. temple dedication. And of course, that was just one of many that took place. And President Nelson seems bound and determined to continue to accelerate the pace of temples around the world for the church. Yeah, in October General Conference, President Nelson announced 18 new temples. That brings the total of temples that are announced under construction or dedicated throughout the world to 300. Now, I love that. It's it's sort of a nice round, <laughs> number. even number. Uh, President Nelson didn't use it in conference because for him it's not about the numbers. Uh, he has now announced 118 temples wow. as leader of the church. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. One of the other things that he did in a uh, address that he gave to the young people uh, of the church was about this whole idea of identity. I'm not saying that other designations and identifiers are not significant. I'm simply saying that no identifier should displace, replace, or take priority over these three enduring designations, child of God, child of the covenant, and disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, Sarah, as you heard that, and as you reported on that, uh, to me, this was a a message, uh, obviously it was directed at the young people of the church, but this was really a message for the world. Well, and you think about those amazing things that he said were children of God, were children of covenant, were disciples of Jesus Christ. They're things that everyone shares regardless of where they live, regardless of their marital status, regardless of any other designation that they might give themselves. And when he started the talk, he said, I, there are things that I want you to know about about each of you. Mm. And and then he listed them. He said, first, I want you to know the truth about who you are. And he said he wants all the young people to know the truth about what Heavenly Father thinks of them. And finally, he said he wants everyone to know the the truth related to their conversion. Uh, And so this to him was really be who you are. Yeah. And so significant. I loved, loved, loved the fact uh, that he kind of went through some of his identifiers. And, you know, little things like world-renowned heart surgeon. <laughs> I mean, those were like so far down. They almost didn't even make the list of the things that, that mattered to him. And we live in this society that is so bent on tribalism and on labeling people by race and gender and sexual orientation and where you live and who's your favorite football team. And it's divide, divide, divide. Uh, and President Nelson was really saying uh, that's a really bad way to live. Yeah, even after those those first three identifiers – he said, next came being a husband and father. So so we didn't even get to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, an apostle and a prophet until fifth. <laughs> and, 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 you know, then, then there is the, the uh, issue of his profession. <laughs> yeah, um, it's amazing. Uh, and such an important lesson for everybody, again, regardless of faith tradition, uh, understanding what labels and what identifiers you're using and what identifiers you're using on others uh, is actually really a significant thing. And so often it divides us and prevents us from coming to to that common ground 
which of course always leads us to higher ground. One of the other things that you marked and reported on repeatedly over the course of the year, Sarah, was uh, much of the church's uh, humanitarian work, uh, dollars uh, donated as well as food and substance and and so many different things. Uh, I want to play just a little clip. We had the chance to speak with the uh, president of the World Food Program USA uh, on the announcement that the church made a $32 million donation to the World Food Program. Let's take a listen. This incredible grant, again, impacting 1.6 million people in nine countries, um, is going to save a lot of lives and save a lot of people from starving to death. Again, this is really an unprecedented time. Uh, Sarah, you've been an eyewitness to a lot of the humanitarian work uh, of the church. Uh, Give us some sense, uh, in addition to this uh, significant $32 million donation to the World Food Program, uh, some of the other things that you witnessed and watched over the year. Well, you know, this $32 million donation was the largest donation the church has ever given at one time to date. Mm. And, And it was given to help fight systemic hunger across the globe. Um, but but the church is involved in so many things um, in the year 2021. Um, leaders spent almost a billion dollars, just over 900 million um, on humanitarian welfare efforts. The Church News did a series this year called Inside Church Headquarters, where we actually spent some time interviewing the presiding bishopric of the church and talking about the temporal affairs. You know, we often talk about this the spiritual side of a religion, mm-hmm. um, but there is there is a temporal side as well, and and this included the building of temples uh, at an accelerated rate, the the translation of materials, uh, the maintenance of meeting houses, and then of course. This humanitarian outreach, yeah. which which is so broad and and uh, Bishop Bishop Gerald Cosse said is increasing every year. Yeah, so amazing, and and the dollars and cents again, almost a billion dollars in twenty twenty two, plus all of the hours donated and and so many other things that uh, you can't count uh, that really do count and make a difference for people around the world. Uh, as we come down the home stretch, we're doing a quick rev- year in review uh, with Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of the Church News. And looking at many of the activities of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we had an interesting opportunity to sit down with the Relief Society General President, Camille Johnson, and also the primary president of the the Young Children, uh, Susan Porter, who went on a global ministry tour to South America together, uh, which I thought was most unique. Let's start uh, with uh, President Camille Johnson. We had the opportunity to meet with the Minister of Women in Chile. It was for the country. In in Argentina, it was for the province of Cordoba. Mm. And so those opportunities were special for me to connect with those women who lead in their countries. I concluded that we have so much in common and so Mm. much good that we can do together. One of the largest and oldest women's organizations in the world, the Relief Society of the Church of Jesus Christ. Sarah, as you've uh, watched and reported uh, on that, what have you seen in terms of the women of the church, their impact around the world? Well, I am so glad that we did not forget to include the women as we recap 2022 for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because the women have accomplished so much. Uh, just as leaders of primary young women release society, they also have a voice on all the executive councils of the church. And so they're involved in, in every major aspect of decision making as, as it occurs in those councils. Um, but it was, it was a big year for the women. In addition to the ministry trips that, that you mentioned that you would have talked to the women about, 
um, Sister Bonnie Corden was involved um, in a new For Strength of Youth mm. guide that was released. Um, and uh, this summer, we rolled out FSY um, camps for for youth in the church, uh, which was also something that the young woman would have been heavily involved in. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's so many things to cover there. I want to sneak in real quickly uh, before we round out the hour. Uh, President Susan Porter, again, over the primary for the Church of Jesus Christ, uh, and a unique opportunity she had in a meeting in South America. The children were giving the prayers. The children, we were engaging them in a conversation about how much they can contribute to their family at school, in yeah. in the world. And so we invited them to think about something they could do to contribute yeah. and to lift and to bless, to really show God's love. I love the fact that Sister Porter, that they had these meetings and, and the kids were really in control. They were saying the prayers, they were leading the music. Uh, you've seen the children of the Church of Jesus Christ around the world. Uh, give us a quick perspective. Well, and I love this this idea that Sister Porter was sharing. Um, it's one that has also been um, communicated by by President Johnson, who, who worked in primary before she became Relief Society General President. Um, and it's the idea that that children are baptized in the church at age eight and then can play a key role in ministering, in serving, in praying, in being part of the faith. Yeah, so love that. Uh, everyone has a part to play. Uh, so many things. We just scratched the surface. It was a big year, 2022. Uh, and uh, thanks so much to Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. And uh, Sarah, thanks for your perspective today. Well, thanks for having me, Boyd. All right. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for top of the hour news. Much more to come in hour number two of Inside Sources. Stick around. We'll be right back. KSL FM Midvale. KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.